Check, check, check. There we go. All right. How's everyone doing tonight? It's good to see you all. If you're joining us on Facebook tonight, thank you for joining us, everyone here in person. What a uh, wonderful hot summer evening, right, here in, here in Texas. I think it got to 107 today. Of course, I think the highest we've had is 109. So, you know, hey, one day we'll be wishing for the summer whenever we're covered in ice, right? So we'll, we'll, we'll count our blessings as we can find them. Well, Pastor Mike is not going to be here tonight. As some of you, you know, he's been having some, uh, his wife has been having some issues uh, medically. And so he decided to take the evening off and be with his family, which I think is absolutely understandable and commendable, and that's where he should be. So we have our very own Tom Douthat, who's going to be speaking tonight. Before we do that, I'd just like to open up in a word of prayer um, for Sheila, for one. But if I know in this room there, there are many needs, many things going on that um, we all have something, big or small. Even if we don't know about it, there's something that we can bring to the Lord. If you're on Facebook tonight, just put that in the comments. We want to join with you in prayer. And if you have that need, just, just hold it up to the Lord tonight as we, as we open up and we ask him and invite him to, to fill this room. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that we can come to you and we can bring our petition to your throne. I pray tonight that you would meet our needs where we are. I pray that you would help us to know that you are a God who is in control. You are a God who has everything under his hand. And even though we don't understand the things that happen, we know that you do, and you're in control. I pray that you'd bring peace to every situation in this room, every situation to, the, to those who are on Facebook. I pray that you would bring healing to Pastor Sheila's body tonight, that you would help her to be completely healed. We believe for full restoration. We believe for complete healing. I pray that you would bring peace to the Mizell family as they walk through this difficult season. We pray that this church would rise up and that we would come and, and comfort our pastor as he walks through a difficult season. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, some of you know Tom. He's been here for, for a couple years, I think, uh, a couple de- what, about 30 years. You've been here almost as long as Pastor Mike, which is incredible. He teaches one of our Sunday school classes, and I have heard nothing but positive things about the content from that, that class. Raise your hand tonight if you've ever been sat in that class and you've been touched by Tom's ministry. I know I have, as I've, I've heard him on Wednesday nights. Uh, but Tom, if you would come and share tonight, we would uh, give him a round of applause as he, he comes up. We have been here since 1993, just not very long after Brother Mike came. Tonight I come with no new revelation nor deep knowledge to impart, but to quote the Apostle Paul that I might put thee in remembrance that you stir up the gift of God which is within you. The joy of the Lord is our strength, is the title of tonight's lesson, from Nehemiah 8, 1 through 10. If the joy of the Lord is to be our strength, let's look to see what joy is. If you look up joy in Webster's Dictionary, you'll get a worldly point of view. It's defined as an emotion evoked by well-being, by success, good fortune, or the prospect of possessing what one desires or the state of happiness. All these definitions revert back basically to happiness, about current events, about things that we own and possess or things that we have control of. But joy is often confused with happiness, but it's actually quite different. Some of the differences between joy and happiness are said to be joy is in the heart, happiness is in the face. Joy is of the soul, but happiness is of the moment. Joy transcends current situations, but happiness reacts to current situations. Joy is a practice and a behavior. It is deliberate and intentional. Happiness comes and goes blindly along its way. Joy is profound and scriptural. Don't worry, rejoice. But happiness is a bomb. Bobby McFerrin made a song out of it. Don't worry, be happy. Joy is an inner feeling, and happiness is an outward expression. Joy endures hardship and trials and connects with meaning and purpose, where happiness is fleeting. A person pursues happiness but chooses joy. Biblical joy is an essential component of Christian life, and it appears over 100 times in the Bible. Biblical joy comes from the Lord, and it's a perpetual gladness of the heart that comes from knowing and experiencing and trusting Jesus Christ. There are many opinions about how to define joy. 
Martin Lloyd-Jones says, Joy is the response and the reaction of a soul to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Pastor Paul Selhammer said, Joy is that deep, subtle confidence that God is in control of every area of my life. Kay Warren defined it as joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all details of my life and the confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right and the determined choice to praise God in all things. Me, personally, I think the best definition of joy comes from the total, complete acceptance of Jeremiah 29, 11, 1 through 14. Now, verse 11 is very well known. Everybody knows about it and thinks about it. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. But not too often do we think about the rest of that. It says, then will you call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. Think about that just a second. You call, you come to me, you pray to me, and I will listen to you, says the Lord. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found of you, declares the Lord. The knowledge of this scripture alone will not give joy. Just the understanding of that scripture does not bring joy. But if we take that and accept it, give total acceptance to it, it will bring joy. You see, I must accept that God is sovereign. In our class, particularly recently, it's come up numerous times that the reason a lot of people backslide and slip away from the Lord is they forget that he is sovereign. He can do what he wants, and it will be right. It will be just. It will be fair, but it may not be according to our plan. He is sovereign. That means he is the ultimate authority, and if we give him that ultimate authority in our life, then we can have joy. Unfortunately, there's no place in the Bible that says everything is going to be okay according to Tom. It's not all going to work out the way I want. A lot of people preach and teach that if I serve the Lord and I have the joy of the Lord, it's because everything is working out the way I want it to. That's not what the promise of the Lord is. It will work out for my good. It will work out according to God's plan. But not everybody I pray for is going to get well. Some may go on to be with the Lord. Not every time I ask for a particular thing to work out, it may not happen in my favor. And there is times that I have sought the Lord and pleaded with the Lord, asked him to do things a particular way, and it didn't happen. But you know what? A little bit down the road, I saw that it was to my good. I learned something from the Lord. I learned a lesson that he wanted me to see. He prevented me from making a mistake that I didn't know about, things that I didn't have enough knowledge to see in the future. He knew, and he worked it out. But boy, was I ever disappointed when it didn't go the way I prayed for it. Giving him total and complete control is a lot hard to do because as has been stated in my class numerous times lately, control is hard to give up. We like to control our lives. We are taught to control our lives. You're told over and over throughout school that take control, make things happen your way. Well, that might work in some cases, but if we're following the Lord, we've got to give it his way. It is said that although joy does feel better with a happy smile, joy can share space with other emotions with sadness, with fear, and even unhappiness. There'll be things that come our way that will sadden us, and for a while that may show on our face, but the joy of the Lord will bring strength to carry it through. We may think, place things that we don't understand and we don't know what's happening. As our life changes throughout the years, we're faced with new things all the time. Some of them bring fear, but if the joy of the Lord is deep in our heart, we can make it through. Happiness cannot share space with sadness. Happiness is fleeting. We may suffer pain or loss or tremendous hurt that may show, but if joy comes from accepting God's plan for us, it will be unshakable. Joy does not come from denying hardships, and it does not come from denying hurts. Joy comes from being so confident in God and his good plans for us that we are unmovable. When trials come our way, we can tell the devil to go read Jeremiah 17, 7, and 8, for it applies to us. Blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord, whose hope is in the Lord, for he shall be as a tree planted by the waters, 
that spreadeth her roots by the river, and shall not see when the heat cometh, but her leaf shall be green, and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. We've got a couple of pear trees in our yard, Burford pears, but the leaves are already beginning to turn brown, and I'm having to water them because they're not by the river. They're in that black clay land, and they are suffering from moisture. But if we're where the Lord wants us, says that we are not even careful in the drought because we've got the water from the Lord where he is supplying our needs. The joy of the Lord gives strength that is mentioned in Nehemiah 8.10 was not a happen, an accident. It did not just happen. If we go look at the verses prior to the promise of joy, we see that first off, the people hungered for the law. Nehemiah 8.1, we read, And all the people gathered themselves together as one man in the street that was before the water gate. And they spake to Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. In unity, they sought to hear the word of the Lord. Now for Israel, it was the law. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. A couple of those books aren't real thrilling when we sit down to read. Numbers goes on and on. Deuteronomy can be pretty slow. Leviticus. They didn't just ask for the promises of God's blessings. They didn't ask for just the good part. It included the thou shalt nots along with the messages of blessings. And sometimes those thou shalt nots are a little hard to hear. Then in verse 2, we see that the people heard the law. Ezra and the priest brought the law before the congregation of both men, women, and those that could understand, those that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. Now, the law was to be understood, not just listened to, but it was to be understood to both men and women. And a lot of times in those days, women were not included. Then it goes on to say, and those that could hear with understanding, which very possibly meant young adults, adolescents that had enough age and education to understand the word. This was a pretty rare occurrence that, that all those people would be brought in. They were all to hear the word and to understand it. Verse, nine, uh, verse 3 tells us that the people were attentive to the law. And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from morning until midday, before the men and the women and those that could understand, and the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book. Now, that's from daylight till midday, six hours. The people stood and listened to the law being read to them. Now, Brother Mike's a great preacher. But my attention stand, my mind, just not going to stay focused for six hours. Let's don't tell him about this particular verse. <laughs> we'll, we'll blot that one out. The people were prepared to hear the law. Verse 4 states that Ezra with the scribe stood on a pulpit of wood, which the people had built for this purpose. It was that he could have a place to stand to read the law, and when he stood to read, there was a group of 13 men that stood with him, whose names I'm not going to mispronounce. So we're going to just say 13 men. The people were prepared to hear the law, and they had built that pulpit ahead of time so that they could hear Ezra whenever he read. And then I think it's very important in verse 5, it tells us that the word was given an elevated position. They had built this place for him to stand so, and Ezra opened the book in the sight of the people, for he was above all the people when he opened it and the people stood up. So they had built this platform him so he, everybody could see the, kind of like the town square, and he had the platform to get up on to read. The people's hearts were prepared to receive the word of the Lord. Verse 6, and Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, with lifting up their hands they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Before Ezra began reading the word, he blessed the Lord, but the people joined in. They didn't just, weren't just there idly, uh, but they were partakers of it, and they showed humility by putting their faces to the ground. Other places you find in the scriptures, people were not receptive to the word. They did not bow to it, and they did not have God's blessings. And Verse 7 tells us how that the people were helped to understand. I think it's very 
important, and I'm very glad that the Lord included this verse in there because it tells how this team of 13 men and the Levites caused the people to understand while they stood, they went out amongst the people and helped them to understand what was being read. The Lord still desires for people to understand his word. That's why he gives us preachers, teachers, evangelists, etc. Nehemiah's team went out among the people as they stood and in place and helped them to understand the law. I'll put in a plug for Sunday school here. Of course, as a Sunday school teacher, I think it's important, but I believe Sunday school, teacher, Sunday school is incredibly important for us all. It may sound old-fashioned, but it's still very relevant today. As Christians, we will never get past the point of needing to discuss the, the Scriptures, to learn of the Scriptures, to be able to share what God is doing. And particularly, we need our young to hear the Word of the Lord in the basic stories. My son back when he was in college several years back, was shocked. He made some reference in one of his college classes back to one of the very basic Bible stories, and the class had no idea what he was talking about. Young adults, we used to think that that couldn't happen here in America, but there's a lot of people. If you go talking about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they say, huh? They don't know who, who they are. They don't understand. You use the term child of God. They don't know at all what you're talking about. These basic principles have been lost in a lot of our population today we need to get back where people understand and unfortunately there's a lot of people that have come up in church that didn't attend Sunday school just went to the certain you know regular services and missed a lot of it because it wasn't broken down on their level I still remember from when I was a kid the old flannel boards you know, our teacher had to, had the flannel boards put up and you had Moses there walking through the Red Sea or the loaves when Jesus did the loaves and fishes and they made impressions that are still there course flannel board would be totally out today but uh, digitally we could do the same we need to impart in some way that they will grasp to our young these basic bible stories because with those that's the beginning building blocks for everything else we can't tell them to go out and you know just start with with the uh, the miracles and different things that that don't get down to the meaning of it you take those basic stories and be begin to build on them the understanding was so important that the scripture restates the law was read clearly and the people were helped to understand. Verse 8 tells us, so that we, they read in the book of the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. There was no condemnation put on anyone that didn't understand the law. These were Jews. They had supposed to have known the law, but they had just come out of captivity. Their, the previous generation had. These were people that had returned from Babylon back to build the temple and, and this, to rebuild Jerusalem, and they hadn't heard the law in a long time. So they had it, to have it explained to them that they could understand, that they could grasp it. 2 Timothy 4.2, Paul tells us to preach the word, to be instant in season, out of season, to reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. That exhort with all long suffering means for us to patiently explain until it is understood. One commentator points out that Paul didn't want Timothy to preach from the word, to preach around the word, or even to preach about the word, but to preach the word itself. The word was what convicted the Israelites. The word will still convict today. There's so many books written so many theologies out there, so many ideas out there, all about the Word. But very often we don't get down to what the, the Bible actually says. Don't get down into actually reading the Word. Then finally in verse 9 we get to it, uh, people responded to the law. Verse 9 tells us that when Nehemiah and Ezra the priest, the scribe, the Levites taught the people, said unto all the people that this day is holy unto the Lord your God, mourn not nor weep. Now why did they say that? For all the people wept when they heard the word of the law. Just from listening to the scriptures being read, just from listening to the law being t explained to them, they began to weep and mourn because they realized their shortcomings. Unfortunately, so often when people do hear the word, it does not take hold. It does not dig in. When people heard the law, they realized they had missed the mark and wept and mourned. When we hear the scriptures, we must allow them to drive change in us if we want the joy of the Lord. Hearing the word is not enough. Hearing and not understanding doesn't help. 
Hearing and not being impacted will not bring joy. But when we hear the word and allow it to change us, allow the word to speak to us and show us where we have shortcomings, show us where we need to change, show us what the Lord is doing for us. It may not always be on the negative side. You know, when I say change us and, and all, sometimes the Lord wants us just to go deeper. It's not a fault. It's just a short, you know, a place where we can grow, that we would become more like him. Then in verse 10, the people are encouraged to celebrate. He said to them, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, send portions to them whom nothing is prepared, for this day is holy unto you and to the Lord. Neither be you sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Only after hearing the word, understanding the word, and repenting, responding to the word, was the joy their strength. We very often, we skip all the rest of that, and we go just to the joy of the Lord is my strength. Well, what's your joy based on? It's not, it's got to be something deeper than just what we've heard someone say. It's got to be a real experience where we've let the, the word of the Lord change us. After the people mourned and wept for, a short, for their shortcomings and were told to celebrate, we have reason to rejoice after being changed by the word of the Lord. Psalms 103, verses 12, uh, 11 and 12 says, For as high as heaven above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions. Now, it's not a bad thing to realize that we're sinners. We need to admit that. It's not a bad thing to realize that I've fallen short of the mark. We need to. The Bible says that if we don't, if we say we have no sin, we're a liar. Because we all have fallen short. But as David Guzik says, our knowledge of our sin should never be bigger than our knowledge of our Savior. We need the knowledge of our Savior that is bigger and transcends all of our sin. The knowledge of our Savior, Jesus Christ, takes us beyond because it says he's cast them as far as the east from the west. Can't get any farther than that. There's no limit to how far that is. After a quick glance in these verses leading up to the promise that the joy of the Lord is our strength, we can see just how important the word is, not just to hear, not just to read, but to understand and to allow change. In this glimpse of Israel's history, it's a time when man was only judged by the law. You read the Old Testament, a lot of people tell you there's no grace in the Old Testament. Now, the Old Testament is full of grace, and this is one of those times. By rights, they were all worthy of death because they had not been keeping the law. But now that they understood the law and repented of it, they were given grace and told to rejoice in the Lord before this was a, a special day for the Lord. Verse 12, we see, and all the people went their way to eat and to drink and to send portions to make great mirth because they had understood the words that were declared to them and they had the joy of the Lord because they responded to the word of God. Being touched by the word is definitely reason to rejoice. Matthew Henry puts it rather bluntly. He says, the strength consisted in the joy of the Lord. The better we understand God's word, the more comfort we find in it. Then he goes on to say, the darkness of our troubles arises from the darkness of our ignorance. That's putting it pretty plain. But because we don't understand the scriptures sometimes, our troubles look bigger than they should. We don't understand how that God is master over all. Our troubles loom huge. When we don't understand how important we are as a single individual to God himself, our troubles get big. But if we understand that he is so very concerned about us and that he never lets us out of his sight, then our troubles begin to shrink. If we understand that he knows our needs and he's concerned about them and has the answers, our troubles are smaller. It's not that we won't have troubles, but we need to allow the Lord to work in us. God does not change, nor his principles. If we want the joy of the Lord, we need to be people of the word. Jesus in John 15 said that we must abide in him and that his word should abide in us, that we may bear fruit to the Father, that we should keep his commandments. Then he concludes in verse 11, These things have I spoken to you, 
that he's in, we're in him and his word in us, that you may have my, my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. You want joy? Stay in the word. Let it abide in us. How can we have his word abiding in us if we have not read nor understood? How can we keep commandments that we do not know? It is only through the word that we can know Jesus' character and be Christ-like. Jesus told the parable of the sower, how that the man went out to sow and some went on hard grounds, never did come up. Some came up, sprang up a little bit, and when the heat hit, well, it died out. And then there were some that came and brought forth a hundredfold. In verse 13, he explains those that sprung up. He says, they on the rock are they which, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root. For a while believe, and in time of temptation fall away. They heard, they understood, they believed, and they were changed. But they didn't stay in the word. They didn't develop what God had given them, and before long they succumbed to temptation. So just having a one-time experience with the word isn't enough. It's got to be regular. Now, interesting, Acts 8 in the New Testament tells us of a story that is very, very much like the Nehemiah story. We read in verses 5 through 8, Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them, and the people with one accord gave heed unto the things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing miracles he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of those that were possessed with them. Many taken with palsies and were lame were healed. And there was a great joy in that city. Very much like Nehemiah, he preached, preached Christ, People with one accord heard and responded, and there was great joy in the city. If our city would all hear the word of God and all respond to the word of God, we'd have a different Cleburne. We'd have a very different place if they all, if we all could, with one accord, join in. Could we get everybody to do the same thing ever? <laughs> but Galatians 5, 22, 23 tells us, that the joy is a fruit of the Spirit. We also see in 1 Corinthians 2 that the same Spirit reveals His Word to us. Verses 12 and 13. Now you have received not the word of the, not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that you might know the things which are freely given us to, of God, which things also we speak not in words which are man's wisdom, but of the things which the Holy Spirit teacheth, Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. I'll be the first to admit there's a lot of scriptures that I still don't understand. But as I prayerfully dig into them and ask the Lord to help me, he reveals more and more. But we cannot understand the scriptures using man's mentality. Scriptures are spiritual things. The things of the Lord are beyond us. 2 Timothy 2.15 tells us to show ourselves approved unto God. The workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. It is one thing to read the word, but if we want the joy that Nehemiah spoke of, we need to study the word that we may fully understand. 1 Corinthians 3, 2, Paul points out that not all Christians grow. I have fed you with milk, not with meat. Hitherto you were not able to bear it. And unfortunately, he goes on to say, neither are you able now. He had taught them, started out with the basic things, and tried to help them grow, but it didn't go in. They didn't accept it. And even after time, he says, you still cannot hear the things that I want you to hear. He had much he wanted to teach them. I wonder sometimes, how much do we shortchange ourselves because we don't allow God's word to get inside, because we don't study the word, don't spend time on it. We don't allow him to show us the deeper blessings that he would have. David tells us a way to not be defeated in Psalms 119, verses 4 through 16. He recognized the, God's command for us to know the word in verse 4. He says, Thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts diligently. Verse 5 and nine, through 9, he is determined to keep them in respect the word of the Lord when he says, Oh, that my ways were direct, directed to keep thy statutes. Then shall I not be ashamed. When I have respect for all thy commandments, I will praise thee with upright heart. When I shall have learned thy righteous judgments, I will keep thy statutes. O forsake me not utterly. Wherewithal 
shall a young man cleanse his ways by taking heed thereunto thy word. That phrase that he puts in, wherewithal can a man cleanse his ways by taking heed to the word. We want things to go right. We want to live right before the Lord. We've got to get in the word to learn those precepts and allow them to change us. Verses 10 through 12, he realizes the need from help from the Lord to keep those commandments. With my whole heart have I sought you, yet let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, Lord. Then he says, teach me. Now he just said, I have hid your, your scriptures in my heart. I have studied. I have applied myself to learn because I realize that I need to know your scriptures for my ways to be right. But then he says, teach me. thy statutes and again in verse 13 16 he commits to respect and even rejoice in the word of the lord with my lips have i declared thy judgments of thy mouth i have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as with all riches i will meditate in thy precepts and i will have respect unto thy ways i will delight myself in thy statutes and i will not forget thy word he respected the word of the lord as much as riches now this is king david we're talking about not just a, a pauper. It's a, after he's quit herding sheep and he's become king, he says, greater than riches is the word of the Lord. More important to him. David's request for the Lord to teach him was basically restated in James 1.5. It tells us not to worry if we don't understand. But if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that goeth to, giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. God is not going to beat us up for not understanding. He's already told us that his ways are above ours. For as the heavens are higher than earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Isaiah 55, 9. What's the Bible? God's thoughts. That's the word of God. So how do we think that with, our, with man's education, with man's thought process, we'll understand all the scriptures? We won't. We need him to reveal it to us. We need his help. We're cautioned in Hebrews 10, 25, to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, as our manner some is, exhorting one another, and so much more as you see that day approaching. Now, the assembling that he's talking about there is not just a social get-together, but it's like what Israel had, where we get together to study the word. It said exhorting one another, encouraging one another, lifting each other up. It's very important. I believe very much that we're in the last days. The scripture says, especially in the last days, we need to get together. There's all kinds of people talking about, you know, the church being irrelevant and people pulling out of church and getting out for this reason or that at a time when we need it more than we ever, ever have. The, the, uh, the word of the Lord gives faith. This tells us that faith comes by hearing and the word of the Lord, the word of the word of God. Romans 10, 17. Nehemiah 8, 10 promises strength from the joy of the Lord. Why do we need strength? The word strength here should not be taken just at face value. In context, it's the Hebrew word moaz, which means protection, place or means of safety, refuge. The word carries with it the idea of someone being in danger and need of a place to hide. In case you haven't noticed, we as Christians have an enemy. Paul in Ephesians 6, 10 through 13 tells us, Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might and put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual weakness in high places, Wherefore, take you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the devil and having done all to stand. So he goes on and tells us all about the armor in verses 14, 17. He describes how we should, how we should clad ourselves. But you know what the very first thing he tells us we need? The first thing that we need is the truth. Truth is the word of God. We get that truth. We learn that truth by studying the word. So many, many people out there Take a word in, put a word out, you know, take a word out, put a word in, change the scriptures a little bit, and lead us astray. 
if we don't know the scriptures for ourselves, if we don't read them for ourselves, we're an easy prey. Psalms 5:11 says, But let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy, because thou defendest them. Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. Trusting in the Lord is, gives us reason to be joyful, gives us gladness because we know that he is defending us. God himself is. Romans 15, 13. Now the God of hope fill you with joy and peace and believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Psalms 28, 7. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoiceth. With song will I praise him. That verse just, uh, the, way, the way it's worded just catches my attention so much when he says that he trusted in the Lord, my heart trusted in him, and I am helped. That puts it all, pretty, pretty much tells us what happened. We trust the Lord, and he helps us. The more of the word uh, we have, the stronger we are because we know the word does not change and the promises God made are still true. Matthew 5, 18, Jesus assures us that till heaven and earth shall pass, not one jot, not one tittle will pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Psalms 119:89 says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Forever. Where do we need strength today? says the joy of the Lord is our strength for you. What do you need strength for? A healing? Exodus 15, 26 says, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God and wilt do that which is right in his sight and wilt give ear to his commandments and keep all of his statutes, I will not put these diseases upon thee which I brought upon thee, the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. 1 Peter 2, 24 talking about Jesus says who in his own self bear our sins and in his body own body on the tree that we being dead to our sins should live unto righteousness by whose stripes we were healed are you feeling alone Hebrews 13 5 says for he saith I will never leave thee nor forsake thee Zephaniah three seventeen, for the Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over thee. He will rest in his love and with joy over thee with singing. The Lord your God in the midst of you, right there with you, says that he will be with us and will rejoice over us, will save us. Are you brokenhearted? Psalms 147 and 3 says, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Psalms 34, 18, the Lord is nigh unto them that are a broken heart and saveth such as should be of a contrite spirit. Fighting a battle, Deuteronomy 20, verse 4 says, For the Lord your God is he that goeth with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. Deuteronomy 31, 6, Be strong and of good courage and fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he it is that goeth down with thee and he will not forsake thee, will not fail thee. The Lord is there in all of our situations. Feeling outnumbered or beat down, Second Chronicles 20, 15 says, Be not afraid or dismayed by the reason of this great multitude. The battle is not yours, but God's. Second Kings 6, 16, 17 says, And he answered, Fear not. For they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elijah prayed and said, O Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Sometimes we can't see what's going on. But if we go to the word, the Lord can show us. We feel outnumbered. We feel like we don't have a chance. We feel like it's an impossible situation. But the Lord has it all under control. Chariots of fire were already there. The horses were already there. The young man that was with Elisha could not see them, but until the Lord opened his eyes that he could. You got questions and no answers? Daniel 2, 21, 22, And he giveth wisdom unto the wise, 
and knowledge to them that know understanding. He revealeth the deep and secret things, and knoweth what is in the darkness, and light dwelleth with him. Jeremiah 33, 3, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show you great and mighty things which thou dost not know. I tell you, there's a lot of decisions that I've had to make in the last few years that I didn't have answers to. I didn't understand enough to make the decisions. You know, it's, I've retired about two years ago, and getting all that retirement process done, you have to make a boatload of decisions really fast. I wasn't smart enough about it. I'm not a financial wizard by any means. But as I relied on the Lord, He began to point me in certain directions, and things have worked out very well that he has been there. We make decisions every day on the job while I was working. Often I came against problems and situations that I didn't understand, that I didn't have the answer to, problems of planning in future dates, that things were uncertain and I needed to make a decision because people's jobs were relying on it. I go to the Lord and he would show me answers that, that panned out. Things worked because that the Lord would show the answer. Need help with finances? First Chronicles 29, 11, and 12. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in heaven and all that is in earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom. But then he goes on and says, O Lord, thou art exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come of thee. doesn't say that he keeps all that he's got. Yeah, the Lord owns heaven and earth and everything in it. But doesn't say that he keeps it all. It says, both riches and honor come of thee. He gives to us the things that we need. And thou reignest over all, and in thine hand is power and might, and in thine hand is to make great and to give strength unto all. The Lord can bring us through. Of course, Matthew 26, 26, Behold the fowls of the air. They don't sow, neither do they reap. They don't gather into barns, for your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are not you much, much better than a sparrow? We're more important to him. And this one certainly fits me some days, feeling old. Some days I do. Isaiah 46, 4. And even to your old age, I am he. Even to the whore hairs will I carry you. Yeah, I got that one covered. Pretty much turned white. I have made you. I will bear you. Even I will carry you and deliver you. Do you realize even our old age, the Lord is still concerned about us? Psalms 29, 13, 14. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall bring forth fruit in an old age. They shall be fat and flourishing. Got fears? Who doesn't with the way the world is going today? Psalms 27, 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? Isaiah 41.10 Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am the Lord thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Regardless of what our need is, God's got it covered. Matthew 6.8 tells us, For your Father knoweth what things you have need of, before you ask him. Now it's said that there's 7,147 positive promises in the Bible that God has given us. And he will keep every one of them. We can count on them. But we need to read more than just the promise. So often we read just the one verse that stands out that grabs us. But we need to read what happened before and all the backstory of it. He will keep all these promises. But we study and see who he gave that promise to when he was actually being written and how it applies to us. Joy of the Lord is my strength. Yeah, after I put his word in here, after I allow his word to do its work. We don't get, to use Brother Mike's quote, we don't get the benefits of the family if we're not part of it. Reading the backstory will prepare our hearts to receive the promises. Again, to quote Mike, we cannot do God's part and he will not do our part. Our part is we need to understand and to keep the word if we want to know the joy of the Lord. To conclude our study tonight, let me say that I am aware this is a Wednesday night crowd. 
I appreciate you coming to hear the word. May God bless you for it. But although church and Sunday school attendance are incredibly, incredibly important, they're not enough. Too many Christians listen to a sermon and try to go on that strength and fight the devil all week, but based on just that one message. But just as our bodies need daily food, so do our souls. Sometimes we get busy with life and fail to realize that our strength comes from the full surrender of the Lord and his word. Fortunately, more than ever, we've got a lot of tools at our disposal to help us to have the word in our hearts. There are many translations that we can read and listen to. Personally, I use the King James a lot because I enjoy the beauty of the language. Some folk enjoy a more modern language. That's fine. If we can't sit and read, there's an app for our phones that we can read along, let someone else read the hard names. We can listen to the word while we do chores, while we're waiting on an appointment somewhere. For many years, I rode a commuter van, and I listened to the scriptures on the, my phone with earbuds while I was on the van. The fact is, there is no wrong way to put the word of the Lord into our heart and into our daily life. And interesting enough, the Lord set no minimum daily requirement. A lot of people will tell you that you have to read so many verses every day, but God set no minimum daily requirement. It is better to read, understand, and respond to a single verse than to read the entire book and not respond to it, not be moved by it. My prayer is that if you're not a person of the word, that you will become one and may fulfill Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Appreciate you being here tonight. Let's stand and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I love you and I praise you. I thank you for your word, for the strength that we can get from it, from the understanding of you and of your character, that we see how that you never fail, how that you never leave us nor forsake us. I ask you to be with each one here, each one online. Touch, lessen their hearts, open the word to them, reveal the scriptures. Let them see you through your word, I pray. Now bless us, we leave this building. Bring us back to your house Sunday, I pray. Thank you, dear Lord. Amen. True.